sometimes some people are driven by a problem. Some people are driven by pressure, pressure. You know, pressure, things that, you know, just come upon you. Sometimes it's a deadline. Some people are driven from one deadline to the other. If you work in that kind of environment where it's always deadline driven, you need to watch it, especially for your health. Top five human drives. The drive to acquire or to achieve. The drive to bond, which is what makes us to crave, makes us to crave relationships. Also the drive to learn, learn new skills, learn knowledge, acquire wisdom. The drive to defend, to protect oneself and, you know, uh, loved ones, you know, to repel danger, competition, all that. And the fifth one is the drive to feel. The desire for emotional experiences like pleasure, excitement, adventure, and fun, you know, etc. You need to recognize your dominant drives. You need to recognize your dominant drives because if you don't, things will be driving you that you are not aware of and you don't even know how to maximize them. But we must ask ourselves the question at the end of the day, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Mark 18, sorry, Mark 8, verse 36. The drives and everything is to what end? What end? Luke 12, 15, the Bible says, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. Luke 12, 15. What, if your drive is, you know, for achievement and uh, to acquire, to what end? To what end? Let me say one or two things about these drives again. These drives are in it and they give us, and they're given to us to fulfill our purpose. Yeah. Many people ask the question, how do I discover purpose? How do I fulfill purpose? One of the simplest ways to answer that question is that you need to seek to align your drives with God. Use your drives positively, you will be in the direction of fulfillment of purpose. Can I say it again? Even if you don't know what your purpose is, if you will channel your drives positively, you will be in a direction of fulfillment of purpose. That's what I'm saying. It's like a ship that is on the high sea. You don't have control over the direction of the wind, but you can set your sail to get to your destination. Are you still with me today? Yeah. The sail is that you know, flag-like thing that you, they put on the ship. The wind comes to carry the, the, the boat or the ship in the direction according to how you have set your sail. When you discover your your drives and all that, and you decide to align them positively with the will of God, the wind of this world will come and carry you in the right direction. You will be going in the direction of purpose. If you, if you are careless about how you set your sail, because you don't have control over the wind, it carries you in a different direction. Are you still with me today? Yeah. Carries you in a different direction. Carries you in a different direction. These drives can be seasonal, some stronger than the other at different stages of life. Sometimes 
Some people have like three or four things driving them. Some may be more dominant when you're younger. And then when you're older, your worldview has been reshaped. And it may be, you know, in a different way. We have a few people in the Bible who actually you can see how they, are, they, they allowed certain things to drive them. And I'm going to look at one particular one. They, 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 it was driven to destruction. And I'm going to look at a few other people who, who allowed God to take charge of what was driving them and they were driven in the direction of purpose. A good example here was, is the man, Nabal, in 1 Samuel 25, when you read from verse 10 to 18. Nabal, the Bible says, happened to be a rich man. And it was said that Nabal was sharing his sheep at Camel, a particular place. To share sheep means, you know, to cut the wool so that you can have something to sell. So he had many people came. And when, in those days, when, they, when, they, when in the sharing season, or with the time they share uh, the, the, the animals, they would bring many people, they would cook, and people would help them. As they do that, and it's like a celebration time, so everybody can eat. David was a fugitive at this time. Before this time, what happened? David saw the, the shepherds of Nabal in the wilderness, in, you know, in the desert, and his men created a wall. When you read the old chapter of, of the book of 1 Samuel 25, you see how David's men said, you know what? We were a wall, a shield for your men while they were in the wilderness. We did not allow one animal to be wasted. We protected the life of your men. And they did all that for free. For free. It's just like when you find yourself, quote and unquote, if you live in Lagos, you understand what I'm saying. And if you're watching online, I will try to explain better. Uh, if, you, if you find yourself in downtown Lagos Island, we call it Isaleko, and you know, it's a place where you have gangs, you know, and all that. I'm trying to put it, not for you, but for other people. All right, I know you understand what I'm saying. You, you have, you know, gangs, you have bad boys. And then in the midst of all that, two boys show, you know, show up, and they say, ah, my brother, it looks like you are new here. They say, yes, we're going to protect you. You know, so, and they, they, they help you to walk through the streets, and, you know, protect whatever you're carrying and all that. This is a place where if you are not working very well, you may get home in your boxer shot. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but now they help you. And then, you know, uh, when you're going finally, they expect that you will roger them. <laughs> By roger, I mean <laughs> that you will drop something. You understand? I decided to use the language of that place here now that you will drop something. Then you just walk away. You know that you are endangering your life, isn't it? <laughs> there, are, there are certain kind of protections. You don't ask for them, but you have to pay for them. Am I saying the truth? This was what happened in this kind of situation. David's boys, they were all fugitive, hungry people, but they protected these guys. They didn't touch anything. They now had that the guy had gathered people and then David sent his, sent his men. And the guys got there and spoke to him. David, uh, uh, our boss sent us that you give us stuff for replenishment, you know, food and all that. And the guy looked at them, neighbor. 
Who are these riffraffs? You know, that David, he won't stay with his boss. He's running away from Saul. This, that, that, that. He yapped David, yapped all of them, and said, nothing for you. Go away. When they gave David the information, David was livid. He said, a spirit came upon David. It was a destroying spirit. David was going to kill all male. It was a situation where we say, ah, what did we see? What are you throwing? <laughs> eh? What, what, I mean... Uh, somebody stole a pen, then you brought a machine gun. <laughs> that was what David did there. It was a spirit that came upon him. He was going to destroy all the firstborn in neighbor's house just because of that. He said, today, if the sun said today, and there's a maid standing in neighbor's house, don't call me David. Told this man, guard yourself together, let's go. But for Abigail, neighbor's wife, who intercepted the situation because somebody told Abigail, your husband has proven himself to be a fool. Yeah, because you don't mess around with guys like this. What was driving neighbor? That materialism, that sense of accomplishment, that, you know, funny thing. To cut the long story short, by the time Abigail appeased David, and David went back, Abigail got home, told neighbor, neighbor had a heart attack, a massive heart attack. And in 10 days or so, he was dead. And David, sharp guy, <laughs> said, well, Saul has taken Michael away from me, the daughter, so I'm now wifeless. And this is a beautiful woman, and she has sex. <laughs> Let me... So David took Abigail to be his wife. But this is what I'm saying. There's a drive, I mean, there's a certain kind of drive, just like some of the ones I've listed, when you allow the drive for bonding, for connection, that sense of belonging, when you allow it to go the negative way, that's what turns you to slaves of men, for instance, where you move from one man's house to another man's house, like the woman at the well. Jesus met the woman at the well and said, the husband that you are now with is not, the man you are, is not your husband. This is the fourth man. The woman was just craving for approval, connection, you know, and all that. She took it too far on the negative side. You can't fulfill destiny and purpose that way. Neighbor did the same thing here. He refused to recognize and understand when you are supposed to channel this drive positively until he lost his life. But there are certain people in the Bible who allow the spirit to control their drive. They responded to God at a certain point in their life. Such, some auspicious occasions God created, like the one he created for Nabal there, and he misused it. Because you wonder what could have happened to Nabal if he had you know, come into serious covenant with David. When David took over the throne, he should have been the richest man in Israel. Are you still with me today? Yeah, because David would definitely create opportunities for him. But that drive for acquisition that will not allow him to even yield little things for a man that is soon supposed to be king. But when you look through the Bible, you see many other people whom God intercepted and they responded to God. Will you respond to God today and say, God, take over this drive and use it for your glory? That's the question I'm asking. 
spirit-controlled drive. When you are driven, always ask the question, to what hand? To what hand? Colossians chapter 3, when you read verse 23 and 24, it said, and whatever you do, do it utterly as to the Lord and not to man, to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do, say, do utterly as unto the Lord. Channel your drive. Anything at all, let it be. Let it be well channeled. Let's look at some before and after story as a roundup. Some before and after story for certain people who were able to channel their drive well. Moses, for instance, the drive to defend. Moses in Exodus chapter 2 was in Pharaoh's house and he just saw two Egyptians. I mean, an Egyptian and a, a Jew fighting. And the drive to defend kicked him. Boom! It probably didn't even mean to kill the guy, but it was just the drive. Something was driving him. He himself was shocked after the guy died. Kill the guy, just like that. And then he had to run away because Pharaoh was after his life. By Exodus chapter 3, you see the burning bush experience. God stepped in. The same drive, God did not kill it. God used it. Because he put it there for his own original intention. Moses was born to be a deliverer. But he channeled the passion and the drive in a different way. When God intercepted and he submitted it to God, God said, come, take off your sandals. Take off. That, that represented his past and the abuse of the past and the misuse of the drive. He said, take it off. This is holy ground. He came in barefooted. And God said, now I'm sending you. Now we're laying hold on this same drive. This drive, whatever drive it is, God wants to lay hold on it. The drive to acquire. To what end? Is it so that this kingdom will prosper as you prosper? The drive for influence. To what end? Is it so that infant mortality will reduce if you have that influence to do something about it? Is it so that poverty will reduce or what? If you have the influence for, to, to do something about it? Is it so that, you know, women will fare better if you have the capacity to do something about it? Or what? Is it just influence for influence sake? God laid his hand on that drive in Moses. Turned it around. When you are driven and you don't know it, sometimes, you, I mean, all the time, you go in the wrong direction. And what happens? Instead of being someone that God can use, you become a destroyer. But when God touched the life of Moses, everything turned around. The same guy that just killed people anyhow, now, when he got into Egypt, if people died, it was for a cause, the right cause. Yeah, not just anyhow. Samson. Samson has a strong drive for adventure, for fun. But before he was born, God already told his parents, this guy preserving for me. His purpose in life will be to deal with the Philistines. To destroy the Philistines. But instead of doing it objectively, what was Samson doing? 
See one Philistine, babe, say, babe, come, babe, babe. And because he has power anyway, you know, from the first babe. You know the first babe Samson got? His father took him away from Samson. Then Samson went to the place to say, I want my wife back. And the man said, no, I've given him to so-and-so. Eh? Giving him. You know what he did? He got these animals and tied their tail together, put fire, and they ravaged the whole village. It was very adventurous. But it was a gift from God. I mean, who would have thought about that? Put foxes, tie them together, put touch, you know, fire on their tail, and chase them in a particular direction. And they ravaged the entire, it was like you bombed the village when there was no bomb. He created it. Yeah, very adventurous guy. He had sense. In one place, they, they, they held him hostage in one place, and he just woke up. Me? Was very advanced. He carried the gate, the door of the house, the gate of the city. They thought they had shut the gate. He carried the gate of the city and was just walking away with it. And so they woke up and they're like, eh? <laughs> Extremely adventurous. But to what end, he did not know until he got into trouble. See the same adventure. Got into the laughs of Delilah. Just living anyhow. Yet, there was a call of God upon his life. And God was still waiting for him. Just like God is waiting for someone in this service today. But don't wait like Samson until they got out his eyes. He lost his sight. He became a pawn in the hands of the Philistines. The people he was supposed to deal with, they were dealing with him. Because of misalignment with God. But thank God, Samson also has the after. Not only just that before. Because <laughs> by the time you get to Judges 16, Judges 16, when you read from verse 28, they, they now brought Samson. They said, bring him to come and play for us, to come and dance for us. This time around, it was the general assembly of the Philistines. It was like at their senate. All the lords of the Philistines sitting down, they said, we have that useless Samson. Let him uh, come and do comedy for us and dance for us. He's now a blind man. So they brought him. I don't know what snapped in Samson's brain. Samson prayed to God for the first time in a very long time. He prayed to God. For the first time in a long time, Samson said, God, this last chance that I have, I will fulfill destiny with it. I was created to kill Philistines. So this last chance that I have, this last chance, help me. Let this power return for this last time. He told it loud with him, put my hand around the pillars. The Philistines were also very stupid. They built a whole arena and it was resting on two pillars. Just two pillars. It's an instruction when I teach businessmen and pastors. You don't build a great house on one or two pillars. You know some people structure a business in such a way that just two people take them out, the business will collapse. A church like this now, you know, some churches are structured in such a way that there are pillars of the church. One or two rich men. The devil strikes their business the church is no more. Yeah. When you put people as pillar, pillar in a church like this, you want to kill them. That's what you want to do. You want to kill them. There's no pillar anywhere. All of us are pillars. Yeah. Glory be to God. Yeah. Because the devil has sense. The moment you say some people are the pillar, it just moves for them now. And it deals with them. That's what happened here. Samson just said, put my hand around the pillar. 
And he said, God, just this one last time. Give me a second chance. Let me use this thing that you created me for. Let me fulfill destiny once and for all. He pulled the pillars together like that. He lost his life, but the Bible says he killed the greatest number of Philistines ever. Just that one point. And he killed all the loss of the Philistines. What a great victory. God is always waiting for us to come into divine alignment with him with the drive that he has put in our lives. He will not wait for you forever. But it's waiting. It's waiting. It's waiting. I can go on and on and on. But for time, Paul, in Acts of the Apostles chapter 9, was on the way to Damascus. He was persecuting the church. He had a drive, a very strong drive for achievement. How many of Jesus' disciples will I kill? That was his drive. He was using that. That thing was driving him. When they were killing Stephen, he arranged everything. He was the project manager. Yeah. For, for that, for, for Stephen's execution. For the stoning. You carry your bag, put it in this place. These are the stones. Yeah. Five of you carry stone. You stand there, stand there, stand there. You kill him faster that way, you know. And all. He was arranging everything. That was what he was doing. He had that drive for achievement amongst the Pharisees. He said, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I want to prove that what these guys are doing is wrong. And, but when God knocked him down from the horse, he said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. From this point, this drive, we're going to use it positively. That same drive, when they told him, if you go to Jerusalem, you die. He said, I'm not only willing to die. If there's anything worse than that, I'm, it's okay by me. The drive was too strong. He pushed the frontier of the gospel to many places that would not have reached if not for a man with that level of drive. What is driving you today? And will you put it in the hand of God so that God can direct you? So that instead of being, being directed, controlled, or guided by something else, Whatever it is, God was the one who placed it in you. You put it in his hand and it started, you know, driving in the right direction. Is that somebody's prayer here this morning? I said, is that your prayer here this morning? Is that your prayer here this morning? I want you to lift your two hands to Jesus. I say, Father, I submit myself totally to you today. I submit myself totally to you today. Reveal to me the drivers in my life that I'm not even aware of. Somebody may need to pray to God today. Lord, reveal to me something that I'm afraid of and I'm not even aware of. Reveal to me what may be driving me that I'm not aware of. Where the truth is 